WMQ presents Our Son Cloud with special guest Charlie Davis. Now, Matt, I've derailed this podcast more than a few times to talk about Final Fantasy with guests, uh, often apropos of nothing. Uh, but you never played the games before we planned this episode, correct? I have not, no. Um, but, right, before I go down too deep down this rabbit hole, guys, Charlie's back. Charlie's here. Charlie Davis. Charlie Davis from The Young Ones. Charlie Davis, uh, who has a new wrestling podcast. Yes, <laughs> I am here. I am. I'm here to um, educate you in the ways of this, um, as in anything else you might want to know from me and my vast wealth of knowledge about things that may or may not matter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let's be fair. I how many times have I derailed this podcast to discuss Terry Pratchett or theater? We we all have our things. That's true. We do all have our things. Today's thing is that sad sword boy. Cloud Strife, uh, hero of Final Fantasy VII. Uh, Charlie, as our guest, uh, we asked them, who do you want to talk about? This is this is an Our Son episode. We did the first one on Pete Wisdom a couple weeks ago. Go back and listen to that. They said, I want to talk about Cloud Strife. I want to talk about that blonde, spiky-haired, sad sword boy. Um, <laughs> so hot right now, 20, uh, 20-some-odd years later because of the Final Fantasy VII remaster uh, out for PlayStation. Um Matt, did you download the demo to uh, kind of prep yourself for the, for this discussion? I did indeed download the demo and watched as my wife played as she was very interested in trying Final Fantasy, which she has never done. She's more the RPG person when it comes to video games and the family. Um, usually for me, it either has to have Batman, Star Wars, or Lego in the title, or some combination <laughs> thereof. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Assassins. Balance. Really do dig Assassin's Creed. But that's kind of Batman, only with stabbing. Yes, I've got a, quite a sword history with Assassin's Creed as well. Um, well. We may go into that if there's time. I have a very good story about all of that since you mentioned it, but not right okay. at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I did also go back and listen to the episode of one of my favorite podcasts, the recently late and lamented Smash Fiction, where Cloud Strife was one of the characters competing. So I've got a little bit there too. Okay. So what was your what was your impression uh, watching watching Amber play? Uh, he's got a big sword. That sword is bigger than him. <laughs> and there's something going on with his brain like he's having visions and that dude with the gun arm is an ass <laughs> but he's a good dad yes doesn't mean you know you're not an ass those two things aren't mutually exclusive No, that, 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 I'm living proof of that Cable <laughs> <laughs> had his moments <laughs> Yes, yes, I would. Cat- I would categorize. I would categorize Barrett in the same category with Cable. I would do that. I would do that very quickly, actually. So that's a good reference point. That tracks. They both radiate that big dad energy, man. Absolutely. <laughs> they do. They do. As especially like as they seem gruff at first, very gruff and, and unhelpful at first, and then as you progress with their story, you understand why all of these things are happening. <laughs> One just had far less help from Fabian Nicieza. Yes. <laughs> yes. To everybody's detriment. <laughs> Everything's better with a little Fabian. You're not wrong. You're, you're not wrong. 
Oh man! Actually, if I could compare Barrett to anybody in a piece of media, and uh, so the uh, I don't know if you're going to get this or not. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the movie. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So there's a cop in the movie, and he's voiced by Mr. T, and and he's kind of an antagonist for a little bit. But then he becomes part of or whatever is, you know, the main plot of the book. But he spends most of it talking about how much he loves his son. And I feel like that all works because Barrett is basically Mr. T with a gun arm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the. So this is this is blowing my mind. So. (laughs) uh, Okay. So everybody's. And I knew this would happen. I, I knew it. I knew it because it just is the way that. The internet works, and Terribly. like we've come, we've come so, we've come full circle with this Final Fantasy Seven. So it's been twenty three years, yes, roughly twenty three years since this game came out, and I knew that people were going to like experience this game for the first time, but I didn't anticipate people's reactions to be. This game is amazing. Like, it's like they're experiencing it for the first time. Like, beautiful, fresh eyes. Yeah, like very weirdly. And everybody has these thoughts and and things. And of course, you know, I I don't know if you spoiler territory or not, but I I can't can't say that because this game's 23 years old. And anyone who's like, I don't want spoilers, I'm like, we're we're going to get into it. I can talk about spoilers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um,. We'll put, you know, hashtag FF7 spoilers. Uh. Yeah, like, but it's, you know, I was, I knew we would kind of see this, like, renaissance with this game again, because it just looked like they were really going to give you something to enjoy. But I, I didn't think everybody would be like, hey, this game is amazing, because I've I've known that for quite a long time it's uh final fantasy 7 was my first fandom that i really really was in that i actually participated in Mm -hmm. and it wasn't when the game came out um because that was 97 i don't i can't do math i don't even know how old i was i was probably hovering around like eight or nine at that time Mm -hmm. um maybe slightly younger at math time doesn't exist but i was a little too young because i like the console that we had was we had a sega genesis for a really long time Mm -hmm. like that is like what we had in my house and we didn't get upgrades a whole lot but when we did they were like a couple generations past so i had a playstation but i had a playstation probably like in the in the last couple years that it was a play you know the playstation was a thing sure like it was almost immediately a playstation 2 at that point um so i actually got into final fantasy 7 specifically after i played kingdom hearts ah okay okay because i'm one of those weird people that i don't think really exist in a greater space that see something in a game or like or in a movie or in something like see characters and they're like oh i know something else exists with these other characters in it i'm gonna go actively seek out that media like nobody's going i don't want to say nobody but i have a hard time believing and i think we all see it in 
I don't know, comic book sales numbers. Nobody's going to see Captain America Winter Soldier and then going to buy a Captain America comic. That That's is fair. the greatest truism I think ever spoken on this podcast. As someone who worked in comic book retail for 15 years and was working with a store owner who owned that store for between five and ten years before that, he said he had only seen comic sales affected by media three times in his entire career owning that store. Batman 89, The Walking Dead, and Guardians of the Galaxy, but that was more people who were already buying comics who didn't know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> suddenly being interested in it than people from the outside coming in. For that, it was Batman 89 and The Walking Dead. And it, it, that's... I kind of always knew that about about things. Like, it's hard when... I don't even think it's hard. I just don't think... I think people are more than likely looking forward instead of back. And I don't want to say, like, watching a MCU movie and not buying a comic that, like, going to buy a comic would be looking back. But kind of. Because you're looking at, like, the stories that inspired the stories that you saw on screen. But I think a lot of people are very forward-looking, so they'll play a game and then, like, I want the next part. I don't want to go back to, like, where this all started. But I'm, that's something that I just do. Like, I'm the person that listened to, like, I listen to podcasts, like, I start somewhere, like, on the f third or fourth season, and I I just start listening in reverse. Mm -hmm. Like, I picked up the Adventure Zone, like, when they were, like, three campaigns in, and I just went back and listened. Like, you know, it was just, it was very strange, like, the way that my brain operates. So I encountered Cloud in Kingdom Hearts, like, in this weird bubble version of him, where it's, like, him, but, like, the circumstances are different. So I kind of, like, fell in love with that weird, like, place he was in, and then I went back, and I'm like, oh, there's so much. <laughs> like, what is all this? Like, it, that's my experience with a lot of media, it's like, Oh, there's all this stuff like that I haven't even experienced. It's happened. It happened with wrestling. Like, I'm like I like this, and I'm like there's so much. Like, uh, it's a good thing to do when you're in quarantine. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, but so I had this very specific image. It's like 2001, 2002, like Square Enix, like Kingdom Hearts game, like Disney thing going on and then I went back and I said okay I can play this game on my PlayStation 2 so I went to Blockbuster and I got it I just bought it for $20 at Blockbuster kids ask when your parents could, about Blockbuster yeah, when you could do that when you could go to a Blockbuster and you could buy things or rent things and I will say you could also buy Final, a copy of Final Fantasy 7 for 20 bucks instead of 80 bucks on ebay maybe yeah that sounds right yeah mm -hmm. uh so i i have a copy my three discs my very large chunky box um with my three discs in it and even though i don't have my ps2 anymore i i still have that someone's like do can i take this off your hands i'm like absolutely not would you like to keep your fingers because if you do don't touch it um and 
it was just this very like even though it was a, a, a PlayStation game and even though it was like you know polygons and and maybe slightly bad translations it was still this like very epic story and there was so much to consume like just in the game and then like I came like I found like fandom like this game had a huge like fandom fanfic bubble and I just kind of like that's where I operated for like probably from like 2002 to uh probably 2008 I was like that's where I was that you wow. know how I think how I think about like uh like mocks and and all the stuff I'm into now like sure back then I was like me but about cloud <laughs> <laughs> so you know I have these little fixations and um he just really kind of stuck with me but i think that game's got a whole cast of characters that i think you can pick and choose from and they've all got a pretty reasonable amount of depth uh yeah definitely i I mean even more so than you know characters in some of the other games in the series um for me seven was the reason i bought a playstation uh i do remember going on like senior senior class trip and uh, one of the kids had smuggled a, a PlayStation into his hotel room. And so I, I got a taste of like the very beginning of uh, Seven there. But I'm pretty sure PlayStation was like my high school graduation present in, uh, I guess that would be 98. But um, I'm, playing the, uh, I'm playing the Switch port right now because I don't have a PlayStation. Uh, so it's not the, the, the fancy upscaled version that the kids are into now, but, uh, you know, the, the original, uh, I'm in, I'm in the crater and that's probably <laughs> where I'm going to stay because that was always a rage quit point for me. Uh, Matt, for, for your purposes, this is like the end of the game. It's this just long extended dungeon with like no save points. So... Yeah. This is the point I'm at in Arkham Knight where I'm driving through the sewers or these underground tunnels beneath Gotham and the Arkham Knight has this giant drill tank and keeps blowing me up and you have to start again over and over and over. Well, first of all, Lego Bane called and wants his vehicle back. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that is actually pretty accurate. <laughs> uh, the Northern Crater, yeah. So, like, games now, unless you're playing, like, a FromSoft game, so, like, your Bloodborne or your Dark Souls, mm-hmm. um, they don't really have a, a like, a boss situation happening. But obviously, this is a JRPG. Yeah. So, and it's, it's a turn-based JRPG. So, basically, the Northern Crater is, like, descending into hell but if you don't save before you go there you basically have no chance like you have no chance of making it out alive because you are going to have to try more than once and me like the idiot i was the first time i played the game i didn't have 
I didn't go shopping beforehand. Mm-hmm. So I had like no potions or high potions, Phoenix Downs. I didn't have a lot of the materials I needed to complete the game. So I also rage quit. And <laughs> I feel like this is a, this is a shared experience. Dan. <laughs> yeah. I hit one iron Knight, and I was like, Oh, that's what this game is like. Now I remember. <laughs> <laughs> This game is about grinding. <laughs> it, it is, it is. And the problem with with that is I don't have the patience for it. Like, I went into the crater in this latest go-around. I didn't bother finding the two uh, Ultima weapons. I didn't go looking for Knights of the Round. I was just like, let's, let's plow ahead. It's yeah. fine. Because I already beat the game. It took me 10 years the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it. That sounds accurate. <laughs> It took me an exorbitant amount of time, but I did it. Uh, yeah, it, and it's it's challenging, but it, it's a good kind of cha- it's a good kind of challenging if you like that style of game. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then I feel like you will have a you will have a bad time with it, and maybe enjoy newer Final Fantasies uh, because they streamline all of that. Like, don't get me wrong, they are still, you know, challenging, but the last Final Fantasy game I played was 12. Okay. And I think I think 10 had a really good system of combat that fused the old, tur- like, the turn-based with the direction they were going with things, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed that. And then when they started moving towards, like, there are no turns, this is just a game where you hit stuff. I'm like, I don't like this. This isn't for me. And, like, Final Fantasy has continued to walk down a path with new installments that I just know are not for me. So, It's it's funny. So, uh, 13 was the last one that I played. And they released 13 and then two sequels. And they kept tinkering with the battle system in each one. And it's just... And again, this is me showing my age, but, like... I missed the turn-based battle system. Like yeah. it just wasn't for me. And then in uh, Lightning Returns, which is the threequel to thirteen, um, wrap your brain around that. It's it was based around whatever like outfit she was wearing. So suddenly she was like, you know, uh, Malibu Barbie Final Fantasy edition or something. And it was just this is ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so. Pardon the newbie on this one. Please ask all any and all questions. Yes. Questions, please. Okay. So what you're saying is there's sort of main like tentpole games, like twelve, and then there's sort of twelve point one and twelve point two or thirteen point one and thirteen point two. It depends. yeah, it depends. <laughs> they started doing that. So the first time they did this, it was final there was Final Fantasy Ten, which was the main installment. And then they made Final Fantasy X-2, which was in the same universe, but a different story, kind of spiraling and continuing off from the original game. That's when that started, and then we've, we moved into the era of DLCs. Mm-hmm. Ah, which is how games like to make their money now. Oh yes. So of course there's a thirteen like DLC called like you know called Lightning Returns. You know there's all of that. Like that didn't so much used to be a thing. 
And I would still say that you would be just fine in playing the main game and not worrying about any offshoots. <laughs> and then there's also been, like, things that aren't... Like, first of all, none of these games have anything to... You know what I mean? Like, 4 is different from 5, is different from 6, is different from 7. And then there's also non-sequel games. There's Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. They they made uh, rhythm games where you're just, like, playing along with the music. There's, there's Street Fighter-type Final Fantasy games. It's... It's a franchise. It's a very successful franchise. <laughs> yeah, none of none of the Final Fantasy universes are connected canonically. They they are not in they are not so Final Fantasy, you know, 6 it doesn't move into another story in the same FF6 universe with FF7. They are completely isolated. So Naming them all Final Fantasy is more of a way to get people who liked one game to buy the next one than it is to follow these characters along. Correct. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's not like Die Hard where like if you if you watch Die Hard and then you watch the next movie you're obviously going to see John McClane. Like you aren't going to see the FF6 characters in FF7. And it's not like Terry Pratchett's Discworld, where even though you're not necessarily seeing the same characters book to book, it's clearly the same world. These sound like completely different worlds. Yes. There are elements that carry over from game to game. Uh, like you're you're gonna have uh, chocobos, which are these little yellow birds that you get to ride. They're effectively the Yoshi of the Final Fantasy games. Yes, yeah. You know, you'll have Moogles, depending on the game, which are these little white kind of like teddy bears with little antennae on their heads. They craft things, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. There are there are like world elements that pop up in each game, just like Dan said, but they're not. Like, you don't open up a book and say, like, this is this world, and this is this one, and we're all in this multiverse. That's, that, yeah. Right. So, to go back to one of our favorite podcast memes, it's like as if the Halloween series took Season of the Witch, which is the one that's nothing to do with Michael Myers, and then each one was just called Halloween whatever, and they're all different stories set around Halloween. I love that you work season into the world, season of the witch into this. <laughs> I love it so much. I know nothing about any of those movies, but I'm going to assume since you elicited such a reaction from Dan that it was very good. Someday, I think come October, Dan, we're going to have to do an episode about that movie just cause, because it's on brand at this juncture. You know what? That's our Halloween special. I don't care who the guest is. We'll find somebody, make them watch it. I'll watch it. And we'll just talk about Season of the Witch. We just planned our Halloween special. Matt, I'm putting that in the notes. I'm just, I'm adding it now. Uh, I'm adding it in all caps. (laughs) Sounds good. I just got to put this in here. (laughs) You know, some things you just don't want to lose. Hey, sometimes you just need to make a calendar notification for things like that. Heck yes. Um, 
Oh man. So <laughs> you mentioned you started all right, so you started with Kingdom Hearts and then you were like, I wanna know more about this guy. You went back and played Final Fantasy Seven. So this was your first game in the series. How many I think you said ten was your last one. Did you go all through? Did you go seven, eight, nine, ten? I had I love Final Fantasy Seven. Mm-hmm. My best friend in high school loved Final Fantasy Eight. Okay. And mm-hmm. so we shared each other's because each of us thought the game that we loved was the best one. Yes. Okay. But we shared our fandom. So we both had really enjoyed Kingdom Hearts and obviously uh Final Fantasy Eight characters were also in that game. You know, it was that was like kinda like the melting pot. So we talked about these games not being connected. I have a I have a Kingdom Hearts theory, but I'll share it later. Um <laughs> I'm ready for um, but it. <laughs> we, so we we each like kind of like shared our fandom. So I wasn't gonna play eight until she was playing eight, and I would go over to her house every weekend, and we'd stay up until three a.m. playing Final Fantasy eight. Mm-hmm. Like she would play, and I would watch. Like that's how I played eight. That's how I played nine. Like I did it by proxy. So I didn't personally sit down and play the games in order, but I did experience them via you know friends mm-hmm. playing them and us kind of sharing that experience so eight is eight's an interesting animal because they kind of they tried to build another game around another sad sword boy yes and it's not it's not bad like i would never <laughs> say that final fantasy eight is a bad game and in fact i very much love the um triple triad the, the card game that they build big into it big fan. are you good at triple triad dan no. Well, I don't know. I might have been so long ago. Who remembers? But, uh, you know, where, where do they... I mean, you're going to come down on Cloud, I assume. I've got but, but, like, what are your thoughts on Cloud versus Squall? Okay. So, Cloud inherently is somebody who, when you meet him in the game, you have one opinion about him because... That is the air he's putting on. So spoilers for Final Fantasy VII. The cloud that you meet at the beginning of the game is not who he really is. And by that I mean is this man has been extremely traumatized and uh, experimented on to the point where he basically absorbs someone, like half of someone else's personality and is like putting on airs for a large portion of the game while you are trying to also figure out what the hell is going on. So cloud, the like the standoffish, like take no like shit from anybody mercenary. That is part of who he is. But underneath all of that, there is like this extremely traumatized, like kid who only ever wanted to like do good things, but like could never quite achieve that. And, he's like kind of got like a heart of gold underneath all of that detritus that is is his trauma and like bad experiences and that like really made me love him squall and some people will say the same thing about squall at least partially because squall is also a character that has suffered traumas from for other reasons mm-hmm. but on my latest intersecting playthrough of Final Fantasy VIII, which was, like, 
um, like six or so months ago. Okay. Like, uh, I just I discovered that everybody in FF8 except for Zell is just an asshole. Interesting. They're mean to. They are mean to each other. Uh-huh. They are not nice people, and I can respect that to an extent because you know I have a character type that I like. <laughs> But Squall is just very insufferable. Like, and you get so far in the game before he, like, and he doesn't even say it really. Like, he doesn't even say, like, this is why I'm acting like this. It's, like, all internalized. And it's like, I, you know, I had all these things that I wanted to be and, and, you know, I was afraid to let people in and all this stuff. I just don't think that he's... I don't think that he's a good person. Like, not the same way I think that that Cloud is, like, underneath all of his trauma. I think Squall uses his, his like, experiences and his trauma as a excuse as to why he acts does. And I think Cloud is trying to work on himself despite the things that happened to him. That's, mm. That is my... Those are, those, that's where I come down on it. Okay. I'm not a bit, yeah, everybody just was real mean in, yeah. in FF8, except for Zell, who all he wanted was hot dogs. I'm like, <laughs> who can't relate to that? Zell, Zell is the millhouse of Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> it sounds like he could hang out with 70s Hulk. You know, he wants hot dog, Hulk wants beans. <laughs> It, yeah, he like all he wants is like to help people and to maybe go to the cafeteria and the school and get a hot dog. That's literally it. But he gets roped into all this other stuff, which you know I think it t- shows about your age when like you're a teenager, you like really relate to Squall because he's this moody, angsty like teen. Brooding. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then when you're older, you look at the game and you're like, man, all these people are fucking assholes, and Zelda just wants a hot dog. <laughs> like, how who can't relate to that? I just want to eat a hot dog and play some triple triad, man, guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so I don't know how you feel about it. I, I, I feel like you, you summed it up pretty well. I mean, it is, it's an interesting beast, like I said. You know, it, it does have, while, while Squall does have a little bit of that, you know, the brooding sword guy thing it's really more it's like lost in this this rival school's plot but then you know it turns out that they were all raised in the same orphanage being manipulated by a sorceress and then there's like time loop stuff and it's and yeah and the and the the friends that they help someone along the way to like help them with their battles like the guardian forces are actually like erasing like erasing their memories like it's like taking up parts of their brain it's like oh there's a lot going on and it's kind of hard to see the forest of the trees in that game yeah no i i I think that's that's completely fair but you know it's also they're both i think seven and eight are very good examples of how those games appeal to comic book fans because the continuity within the individual games, because they're not related to each other, are so fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, if you look at it too closely, you're just going to go cross-eyed. Yeah, I think 7 is way more linear than 8 is. Like, I can explain to you the plot of Final Fantasy 7, 
I'm not sure, even after three playthroughs of Final Fantasy VIII, I can explain to you what the hell's going on in that game. It's the Hawkman origin of Final Fantasy. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) Yeah, it just gets, like, it, like, overlaps. It, like, kind of eats itself, and you're like, I don't know, like... Is Squall dating someone who maybe is his sister? I don't know. Uh, it's it's there's a whole lot going on with with that game, but you know I had a enjoyment and a, and even a love for it. Like I said, I had a, a best friend in high school who who absolutely adored that game, and we were best friends, so we shared all of that. So you know, I was like, I love this, and then you know, several years later, I'm like, I don't know if I love this. <laughs> The things you do for the people that you know. It's true. Yeah. I had this best friend in high school, and all he ever wanted to do was talk about X-Men. Jeez. God, where did that ever go? <laughs> How dare you it's... both? <laughs> I love you, Dan. I love you. I know I know that Matt does, too. Yes, I do. Uh, I love you guys, too. Um, but, yeah. So... I will say I do go back to the very first uh, game, which came out for the NES in 1988. I got it because I had sur- I had had surgery to correct a deviated septum and needed something to recuperate to while I was like holed up on a recliner in the living room. Um, that one was hard as shit. Like the games, honestly, like they vary all over the map in terms of difficulty, but like it took me until 1996 to uh, beat that one. So like eight years. Um, you know, and it's funny because like four and six, which were released for the Super Nintendo as two and three, uh, just to make things even more confusing, there were like three sequels that for years only ever existed in Japan. Um, it only took me like months. I don't know. I've beaten six like 11 times and we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> But seven, the day that I finally beat it, I was playing it before work, and I, honestly, I wasn't expecting to beat Sephiroth, but I did. And then I'm just watching. You know, it's like it's like Return of the King. It's just like cutscene after cutscene after cutscene after you finally mm-hmm. beat the game. And it's like, oh shit, I gotta. I'm like making dinner, making my dinner because I, you know, work a night shift. And then I'm like looking, craning my neck into the other room to look at the TV to see if it's like, oh, credits are still rolling. <laughs> oh, oh th- this meteor still falling from the sky. Oh god. <laughs> oh no, I didn't really do or fix anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like beating those games is always an experience because you're like, okay, I'm just gonna set the controller down and just watch it do whatever it's gonna do. It, it I mean, it's especially once you get to seven, it's just it's very, it's a lot more cinematic. Yeah, because they were they could because they 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 could at that point and they really like seven for what it is for what it looks like now. You obviously have to imagine what those you know fmv cutscenes like were at the time like you played it at the time dan how did, did that blow your mind at the time uh let's see so that was 2007 so at that point i think i was just like a couple months from getting an xbox 360 so uh you know what i mean like look you're looking at polygons in 2000 but still i mean just the scope of like that's it so seven is not all right seven is not my favorite 
game, and and we'll get into that later. Uh, you know, it's probably like number two or like maybe you know. Are you three one of those Final the... Fantasy six people, Dan? Oh, <laughs> I can I can I can see you come from a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I respect the cinematicness of Seven, and I do feel like, you know, and and you know, it, it goes the deepest on the characters that it use, you know, that it uses, which is the entire reason we're dedicating an entire episode to to, to Cloud. You know what I mean? Like he's you, you're personally invested in him and his story in a way that doesn't exist. I you know fully admit does not exist. In the previous games, mm-hmm. um, so it definitely, you know, I, I definitely felt at that time like I had accomplished something, yeah, significant because, you know, yeah, can you as, imagine in nineteen? Can you imagine in nineteen ninety seven, like firing up Final Fantasy seven and seeing the like at that point, like seeing the cutscene where like Cloud like like rolls down the Shinra like headquarters like lobby in the motorcycle. That was, can you think that was a fucking that was a quantum leap again above anything that had existed prior to that. Exactly. Like I like I can't even imagine seeing that for the first time and being like, excuse me, I'm gonna need a moment. Because <laughs> that scene Mm-hmm. And it is it's crazy. That scene in the remake it like it made me tear up because it was a feeling like I had to have been in like it almost made me feel like I was in that place, that same like mental space, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is this must have been what it was like. Like to see that. And you know, the remake is a lot of things, and it is, I think, I, I don't think it's the time to talk about this yet, but it is, it is very good at capturing what I believe was the very spirit of the game when it was first released. And it, it get, allows people to go so much deeper into the story. Because I was afraid. Like, this game, this remake is one part of a game that is huge. Yeah. Like, not even one part. Like, a a fraction of what the rest of the game is. But they've somehow, like, made everything that you do in Midgar mean so much more than it might have previously yes that's because of the leap in technology and like the way that tank like stories are told in games now but it's really crazy how they were able to like kind of bottle that same magic up again and i i wasn't even sure that they would be able to do that mm-hmm. um like looking at the trailers and stuff, yeah, like it excited me, but I wasn't really prepared for like the emotional like part of like replaying this game, like in in a in a glory in which it was like kind of always meant to be experienced. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I can't believe they nailed. I cannot believe they nailed this so hard. Like that is my takeaway. And how often do you say that about remakes? 
that yeah no that absolutely <clears throat> you know especially because i mean that that specific moment that you mentioned of like him on the motorcycle going down the stairs that was one of like i don't know let's say like five moments in the original where they act like where the graphics are upped in that very specific style where it just felt like they put more into that than the rest of not not in a bad way because all of it was again you know technologically leaps and bounds above what you got out of the 16-bit systems but there were just a couple that were like these moments where it was like you were watching it was like you were just watching pixar yeah yeah at it's 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 nuts they it and you know that also speaks to just cloud as a as a character because like i'm seeing a lot of people come away from final fantasy 7 remake the ff7r with this immense love for tifa and Aerith. and don't get not do not get me wrong like you should mm-hmm. have immense love for those characters but cloud as a uh, a typical protagonist in a video game who carries a huge sword is a super soldier. Like all, take all those all those boxes off of your, you know, action hero protagonist, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's so much different than that. Like that path you would continue to go down if you just like said this is a typical like action hero. Like he's he's really messed up, but he's super thoughtful. Like he never once. Like, he's got, like, problems emoting, but it's not, like, I have to be a tough guy. In fact, he openly has, like, very transparently has, like, these problems with his trauma that he allows people to help him fix. And also gets to be badass and carry a huge sword. He gets to have these, like, qualities that we like to erase from men because they need to be tough all the time, Mm -hmm. especially in video games. But he's like so very soft-hearted, but it it is never at the expense of how awesome he absolutely can be and is. And I think that's really like his appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Like he has these like really cool traits, like of somebody who's fully fleshed out and has issues and problems, but he he's not so hard-edged about it, and it's not this like like toxic soup of what you sometimes get with like protagonists in games or movies it is like having someone with these characteristics and also letting them be awesome like drive a motorcycle have a fucking awesome huge sword like (laughs) you know be a super soldier like have this immense strength but then you find out that like he only had this uh, these he only has this ability because he was experimented on for five years he what he never made it into the soldier program like he tells you he failed out of it in fact he's a little bit like captain america right yeah like he was too small he didn't make it into the soldier program he was a grunt in shinra but through like his want and his heroic ability he's the one that manages to kill sephiroth he takes a sword right he takes the sword right to the gut and in one of my favorite moments in the game where you're seeing that flashback and you see Sephiroth stab him, and instead of just collapsing, sword, Cloud grabs the sword and he pushes it in him. 
more just so he can throw Sephiroth into the Mako reactor. Like, that is, I love that. That is, I cannot wait to see that in this remake. <laughs> like, that is, I, I, did, you, did you know I love, like, boys that have, so like, get swords, like, shunked into them? Because <laughs> that's, that's definitely a thing. Like, I love that. Like, he's this hero who, like, he's not good enough, but he has such a drive that he sacrifices himself in order to save everybody that he cares about. And because he does that, then he he's bleeding out, and Shinra whisk him away and then experiment on him. And so, it's just, I love it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> You know, it's. Uh, I couldn't believe that what uh, our our friend Rob uh, had has been playing the remaster, and he's like, "Oh yeah, no, I I I I don't know if he beat up or he's like close to the end." And it's just like, "Yeah, I got to the end," and it's like, "You're you're just now leaving Midgar." I'm like, "What?" Yeah, because <laughs> that was like I don't know one fifth of the original game, maybe. <laughs> you, yeah, you not... definitely leave town before you have to change discs. <laughs> yeah, you you don't leave. Like, I remember specifically how fleshed out Midgar felt in the original game mm -hmm. because you feel like you spent so much time there when you really didn't. But, you know, it, it's the way that the game operated. And I remember, like, finally getting out of the Shin finally getting out of that, like, getting out of the Shinra building and being able to leave Midgar and seeing the world map for the first time and being like, what? <laughs> are you telling me that there's excuse me like there's more like there's this much more and not just this is like three three or four continents how am I supposed to get across what am I supposed to do I don't know but I'm gonna find out and just hearing that like world music for the first time like just being out of Midgar mm -hmm. like mind blown <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think I ever played a game that was that big. Like, this bad boy's got three discs for a reason. <laughs> Can't fit it all on one. Maybe you can, could now. Probably fit it on a Blu-ray. I don't know. I don't know how big a Blu-ray is. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so it ends... Right as you're leaving Midgar, and you know, I don't. Are you are you planning on playing it? Uh, I think it's supposed to come out for the Switch. Eventually. I don't have a PlayStation, so there, there that there's that that's prohibitive. But I do have a Switch. I think it's supposed to, the remaster is supposed to come out for the Switch eventually. Yeah. Um, I we've got Animal Crossing incoming very soon, <laughs> so yes. that might be a rabbit hole I disappear down, depending. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it is it is tempting. It, it is, is tempting. that is like the only other video game people are playing right now. It's it's it, it's the Seven Remaster and Animal Crossing. Hey, they came out at a at least a good time to sink your sink your time into it. That is true. Uh, I mean, nobody could nobody could have foreseen, but yeah, uh, yeah I only ask because this whole you know, thing the it's, game... it's it's the Tom, Tom Nook created this virus that raccoon. Oh, God, you're maybe not wrong. Uh, you know, he wants your turnips yeah. and to sell you bells and to make you live in a capitalist society that you're happy about uh, consuming and producing. And <laughs> mm. 
I don't play. I, I, I just watch other people play Animal Crossing. So I am, I am outside of that little bubble. Same. Uh, I, but I, I only asked because I didn't want to like spoil anything for the remake because there's some stuff. Okay. <laughs> They've done some things <laughs> that are surprising in a way that I think is satisfying, but also makes me squint my eyes a little. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. So, th- all right, the one thing I wanted to ask about in terms of, of how different it is that I thought they might revisit uh, it within that segment of the game is the uh, the Don Corneo uh, That mission. is intact 100% fascinating intact 100 percent and somehow sensitive in the year 2020 okay all right i i don't know i i don't know how they pulled it off i was in my research i was actually there was an article on i think it was cbr yesterday where they talked to the designer of the remaster about how they approached that sequence to try to make it not terribly squiggy for 2020. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the context particularly for it, but there apparently was serious consideration about how to make that bit not incredibly uncomfortable and wrong. Yes. And, you know, I think in the original game, I even think in the original game, it's really not, like, it's not, like, squicky. It's not, like, I, I, I think, obviously, it's 1997, and it's a country, it's, made, it's like, coming from a country that, like, doesn't have the same standards, usually, that, you know, and I don't say standards as in, like, they're worse, or, but it's different. Like, mm-hmm. they're cult- different cultural contexts. Like, watch an anime. Uh, you know how many, like, cross-dressing, like, like, like things is, exist in anime like sure. just as like a joke episode like it is just a thing that happens like mm-hmm. in the context of like this cultural difference so you know I never had any obviously it's pretty iconic in the, in the original game but I was like thinking to myself like how in the world of 2020 are we going to approach this because that was the discourse I did not want to see. I don't want to see any of it. Let me just say that. Sure. But I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to see 2020 viewpoints pointed at something that came out so long ago. And I was like, I don't need like Final Fantasy VII like discourse in 2020. I don't. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's where I was like looking. I was like, they're gonna tear this one up. But it's remarkably it's not a joke it's not made to be one it is like not played seriously but also it's just we it exists in this weird balance of like okay we gotta like break into this place and find tifa and cloud they don't allow men so you have to dress like a, a woman and that is all intact and Cloud is like, but Cloud's not, and he never really was anyway. He's not like, I don't want to do this. I can't believe I'm, d-. it's not that. And I think that removing that part mm-hmm. of 
those conversations and how that's usually portrayed in the media. Like this man's got to dress like a woman and he's so up in arms about it because who would do that? Who would do that? Like it, it, that there's none of that clouds. Like, Hey, yeah, that's a mission we have to go to. And he's like, he's like a little bit like, he's not uncomfortable in the outfits. He's like being teased by the women Mm -hmm. about it. But it's never, it never, like, goes into a space where it's, like, weirdly transphobic. Mm-hmm. It's it's not. It's just like, hey, this is what we're doing. And when the guys come out, come on to him, because that was the whole idea in the first place, like, it's, it's not weird. It's, like, so remarkable. And the fact that, like... <laughs> Like, Tifa finds him, like, in the same scene where they're, like, in the same room and she doesn't recognize him at first. (laughs) And she's like, Cloud, is that you? And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm working it. Can we please stop now? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's very good. He's like, nailed it. And, like, he's like, we gotta go. Like, it's not, it's not this weird, like, played for laughs joke. And it's, like, remarkable how they did that. So they must have, like, taken some real consideration. (laughs) <laughs> because I did not think they were going to pull that one off. And they gave it a lot gayer. Can I just say that? Just out, I'm just putting that out there. Like, it it always was. The relationship between Cloud and Sephiroth always was. Oh, yeah. No, but no, it no, is no. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is so much more now. And I'm like, do they know what they're doing? <laughs> do they know what they're doing here? Um, that was never... Fun fact, even though I know that that is a thing that exists, that was never the pairing I enjoyed in the game. It, it was never Cloud and Sephiroth. No. What? Which was one? Never... What, what was it? So, so you know the Turks? <clears throat> oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Bring that good, good Turk content. So the, so I had a rare pair. I still have it. It was Reno yes. and Cloud. It was Reno and Cloud. Go on. I love because I love the I love the little asshole that likes to make trouble mm-hmm. and gets in trouble with everybody and the uh, stoic warrior. Does that sound also like something else that I also like? <laughs> yes, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I come to realize there are connecting connecting dots here, but yeah, I I that's obviously there's not a, there's like. They maybe have like a handful of conversations like in the original game, but they also like made it way better in this remake. And I'm like, for life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, like I said, I'm just kind of like in awe that they, they pulled any of this off. And apparently it's only the first part. I, I, I do love the Turks. I've always loved the Turks because I love them too. They, they very much like. You know, they're they're sort of the uh, what do you call them? Black black ops for the corporate overlords that run this city, but they're like the entertaining assholes in terms of like the hierarchy of villains. So if Sephiroth is like a Magneto or an Apocalypse, the Turks are like Pyro and Avalanche. Yeah. Ah, and, okay. And, yes, and I and like the I love I love me my Pyro and my Avalanche. So just having sort of another version of that but uh so i bought the um dark dark horse puts out these these like gorgeous sort of 
art book encyclopedia of of the Final Fantasy games. And so, yeah, oh, they're they're great. They're like, I think they're like 40 bucks each. The first volume was one through six, and then volume two was seven, eight, and nine. And then there's a third one that's like, and all the rest. But um, two gets into seven, and they had, I wonder if they had a flow chart that shows who had a crush on whom in seven. And so it goes through all the Turks and then Sang has a crush on Aerith. And then obviously the whole Aerith Tifa cloud triangle. Um, it doesn't exist and is made up. Yeah. Also, <laughs> and especially that, uh, you know, and then we're, we're Zach, the guy who cloud steals all his you know memories from. And so it was, it's like, Oh yeah. And then Elena's got a thing for rude and Rue's got the, it, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't know they made those. That's great. I did not. I did not know that this was a thing that existed. But I'm glad that I know. Yeah. Dark Horse and their big, gorgeous art books, which I kind of feel is one of the things that saved Dark Horse after every one of its licenses jumped ship to other companies. Video game art books and and Mignola, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, I had. I bought the special edition of Kingdom Hearts two when it came out. Okay. So it had the it had the huge guidebook, and then it had the art book too. Mm-hmm. And I I love that thing. It was hard. It was a hard cover. It was when they gave you hard cover objects with your video game purchases, which mm. they don't really do anymore. But uh, I, I love that thing, and I love that game very very specifically. It was it was a pretty weird thing that happened. Like after that game came out, and then you didn't get another Kingdom Hearts game until like mm, I don't know, like a year ago. Yeah, I think that's what. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, blows my mind that I played uh, the last Game of Hearts game I played was in 2005, and the sequel to that specific game did not come out until 2018. Uh, might be the longest time ever waited, and I think in between those things, I was like, oh yeah, there's obviously Kingdom Hearts 3, I'm very excited, so I bought a PlayStation 4, and then, and then... And then, and then they told me that there weren't going to be any Final Fantasy characters in this Kingdom Hearts game, and I said, "I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined my life for the last time, Square Enix." That showed him. Take those yeah. keyblades and shove them up your ass. Like, like it was. Like I hadn't been like anticipating around the edge of my seat for that game because it had been so long. Um, that I think I had gotten what I wanted out of a ending to the game through fan fiction mm-hmm. um, way before <laughs> way before they had the game come out and I'm like yeah I already know how this one ends and I'm not going to pay attention to this game that you made especially if you're not going to give me any Final Fantasy character content <sighs> but yeah, it's weird because like that version of Cloud exists in Kingdom Hearts is like ooh, this weird mashup of like Cloud, but also like Vincent from Final Fantasy VII, but like only in aesthetic, not like necessarily in like personality. 
Now, when you he, say an aesthetic, he, does that mean he's wearing like a, you know, turtleneck pulled up over his nose? So, Cloud <laughs> Like he's an American in, in 20, not 2020? <laughs> so, Cloud in Kingdom Hearts is wearing a, a tattered red cape that, like, it has this, like, part that connects, it, like, has this bunch around his, like, his face. Like, so it's, like, got, like, it's, it comes up, like, above his, like, right where his mouth is. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't cover his nose, but it comes up right where his mouth is. And he's got a hand that, one hand that is okay, and the other one has this, like, it goes to about, like, halfway down his arm, and then it has this, like, gold brace, and then there's, like, dark like dark skin that ends in a claw, like in a gold plated claw. And what the he's hell got, happened like, to him? <laughs> I could, I could tell you, I could tell you, I've read many fan fiction, Dan, I could tell you. Um, uh, and then he's got a, um, like he, not all the time, but he's got like a, like a leathery black wing that like come out of his back. So, Cloud got infected by the darkness at some point in time because my overarching Kingdom Hearts theory is how... So, Kingdom Hearts basically is the heartless, these creatures are breaking down the bonds between universes. So, you cannot see other universes or other planets that exist because there is this, like, like invisible barrier protecting all of them. So... Like, I, like, we are on Earth, yes, but, like, maybe there's another universe out there. We, we can't get to it, right? Because there's this barrier protecting, like, protecting, you're not supposed to be able to go. Mm-hmm. So, in Kingdom Hearts, the Heartless, these little monsters, have eaten away the barrier. So, like, they are, like, they have dissolved the barriers between worlds. So, in doing so, they do that so they can consume the planets. So, they basically, like, consume the heart of the world and then the world is gone okay like little galacti so, yeah well, like basically and, and they turn everybody on the planet into heartless they steal their hearts and, and things but their goal is to get to the planet's heart and consume it so because these barriers are broken down my overarching theory is that you have all these final fantasy characters and this kingdom hearts game and they're a little bit different and the game tells you that they're all from this one world. Like, that's where they live, but they don't live there anymore because it got, like, taken over by the Heartless. Mm-hmm. But my theory that connects everything is that everybody actually is from their own Final Fantasy worlds. So they exist, they existed on their, like, in their little continuity in their Final Fantasy world from the games, but the Heartless have dissolved all the barriers, so they have also destroyed these individual worlds, and the refugees from the Final Fantasy games ended up in this, like, one world that then they had to migrate from. So everybody's, like, kind of, like, this refugee from their own backstory that they had in the Final Fantasy games, but they're, like, kind of transported into Kingdom Hearts so they like some bad things happen so like Squall doesn't use his name anymore he goes by Leon which is like based off of his last like, name last name yeah and you know you he never tells you why he won't go by his name even though other people call him Squall but you you think something terrible happened he lost everybody that he cared about boom done mm-hmm. like Cloud is infected by this like darkness and you really don't know why 
but it's probably based on the fact that like his world also got destroyed and he like Sephiroth was the only he put like Sephiroth pulled him through this but in doing so led to this like transformation that happened yeah so I've got a lot of ideas about a lot of things (laughs) (laughs) can I ask what these heartless look like yeah they're little they're little monsters let me grab a picture for you okay because Dan this is one that You'll get. For some reason, I'm picturing the is from the Max. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know why, but I just have this image of these little monster things chewing on reality, and old Mr. Gone hanging out with them. (laughs) Oh, I love that show. I will link to this. Okay, there you go. Okay. Oh, that actually oh, isn't sure. that far off from what yeah, I was no, thinking. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> they huh. do look like black is. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a whole bunch of different kinds of heartless, but those are the ones that you see, like, infesting everything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all of that to say that Cloud has been infected in Kingdom Hearts with some sort of innate darkness mm-hmm. that Sephiroth keeps teasing him about, because um, Sephiroth is also in the game. Um and you don't know their relationship there, but it is a it is a heated one, we will say. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you have this like you you keep thinking that like he, okay he did he did this to Cloud and Cloud is now looking for some sort of revenge. It's it's good. Read a lot of fanfics about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, that opened up the table for everybody to like that like on ultimate theory to say you could like pull in any universe you wanted to into the kingdom hearts like multiverse mm-hmm. and say that like your like coliseum where you first meet cloud is also inhabited by like dante from devil may cry uh you know you can just pull in anybody that you want it's a good time <laughs> <laughs> it's very who framed roger rabbit that way <laughs> yeah it, it really that's kind of what kingdom hearts feels like in all honesty <laughs> I haven't seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit in a long time because it was terrifying to me as a child. No, I I, I get that. Uh, yes, as, as the the whole Judge Doom reveal. Yeah, no, one hundred percent terrifying. Um, all right, we're we're gonna get we're gonna get to the hard hitting question now. It's it's time to make a tough choice. Mm-hmm. Who wins in a, in a fight between Sword Boys, uh, Cloud or Shatterstar? <sighs> They don't like each other at first. Okay, do you want okay? Do you want the real answer, or do you want me to answer your question? Charlie, I want the real answer. Okay. <laughs> That's why at, we have you here, Charlie. Make like at, Dracula and follow your heart. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Cyclops. Um, so at first they don't like one another. Obviously, Star doesn't really like anybody, especially strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, especially strangers who he thinks who he thinks think that they are more uh, battle ready and more powerful than he is mm-hmm. but Cloud doesn't have this same frick- There's no, he doesn't feel the same friction Star's a little bit more prickly and Cloud's a little bit more like I don't know what his problem is so initially they do have some sort of standoff but they realize through a stalemate that they're both as good as each other 
and have decided that they will coexist for as long as they need to. But Star says, I still don't like you. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> I like it. It is that is a that is a well thought out answer. <laughs> I, I got a picture of them together um drawn. I don't know if I've you've ever seen it. I, I haven't. I was actually my next question was do you have any cloud commissions? So this is this is exciting. <laughs> well, I okay, so like I think it was right after the FF seven R like that it was actually coming out and existed mm-hmm. came out. Uh I got a commission of uh Cloud and Star back to back in of and a battle pose. Uh-huh. It's very good. Oh, but awesome. before I'll show you. But before I liked comics, I still liked commissioning art. Like I still went to cons. Mm-hmm. Like I went to con like I I've cosplayed Aerith. Like she was like the first character that I actually like cosplayed. And my boyfriend at the time cosplayed Cloud. Like that was the thing that we did. Awesome. Um so I went to, I still went to cons. This was back in like two thousand seven. Like it was like the first con I had went to where I had cosplayed, mm-hmm. and I I've got I've got so much Cloud Strife art. Do you know how much like I've got Shatterstar art coming out like that's digital like everywhere. I have like so many like actual like on paper print commissions of Cloud. I have a watercolor. Oh, excuse me. I have a watercolor of Cloud and Zack um, that I have somewhere. Um, but it's, uh, but it, it was, it's very, very, very good. Um, that is my, that was my like preferred thing to have drawn when I went to cons Mm -hmm. because I was like, this is easy. You know what this is. (laughs) Let's go. So very much so. And then I, I, I started like dabbling in digital, getting digital commissions, like, when I was like really into like cloud and Reno stuff. So mm-hmm. I have like a couple of commissions of them. Um, one is still too hot for TV, let's just say. And uh, the other one is like very good, but I cannot find it for the life of me because it's been three computers ago, maybe. So it's on the internet somewhere. I just can't find it. <laughs> um, it's probably been labeled on, on on my Tumblr as being not safe for work, I guess, because they label everything like that on Tumblr now, and I don't go on that website anymore. Um, Tumblr yeah, had so one job. It did, <laughs> and it failed at that job. It, it had been failing at that job for a long time. Like It was not a tolerable place to be, and I had decided when the Shatterstar mini started coming out and I saw it, started seeing everybody's terrible opinions. I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here before I like unleash on somebody. So I just like stopped going one day. I was like, I'm done with this. <laughs> I don't need this anymore. Um, I will pop on every now and again, every like Thursday morning after uh, AEW Dynamite, like I just going to type in John Moxley into the search engine and I'm going to save some pictures. That's all I do. <laughs> That's it. That is what I do on Tumblr now. Um, but I've been in the commission game for a very long time. I didn't realize how much art I had until I was looking around and also going through everything that I don't have space to hang up. But, you know, when Mikey and I, when Mikey and I do 
coalesce and move in together, there will be a guest room, and everybody will be forced to look at all the art. <laughs> That's where we're going to put it. <laughs> the, the guest room will also be a uh, an art gallery. <laughs> yes. So you're gonna have to, you're gonna be able to go to sleep with a large portrait of of something of my choosing above, above the bed, and then everything else will just be scattered around the room. So, so I, I enjoy I, I I enjoy thinking about you visiting. <laughs> I need it to be that Erica Henderson Shatterstar in the bowl of cereal uh, sketch. <laughs> It probably will be a large, uh, the largest, the, is it the largest? Probably. Um, I, have, I have a friend who, you, do you know Megan Hetrick's art? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know Megan Hetrick. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I am a patron of Megan's mm-hmm. and I have been a patron of hers for a while now. And I've cycled through a couple, like she's doing commissions, just commissions for her patrons at certain tiers. Mm-hmm. And I've cycled through several several wants and like fandoms at this point since I've been a patron of hers because it first started out as like yeah picture like of course it's gonna be Shatterstar and then I was like okay well maybe I want like I played um I played Tigra in one of our masks games that I play Mm -hmm. and I was like well maybe I want you know her she's really good at drawing like ladies so maybe I want that and then I was like and it's gotta be Mox um so the last thing I landed on was that (laughs) she was like you know, I have my, I have all my oil paints. Do you want me just to do an oil painting of him for for you? And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with an oil painting? <laughs> <laughs> this man. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, this oil painting is now going to go in my guest bedroom. And that's what you're going to be, That that is what will be on <laughs> on the wall and you will be treated to an oil painting of John Moxley and he will protect you while you sleep I'm not trying to put this on you financially but I feel like that needs one of those like ornate like gold plated frame it does it needs like a, a frame that you would like frame like a renaissance painting in yes yeah like it, it's either that's going in, in the in a, like a ornate frame or are or are either of one of you familiar with the Caravaggio painting um, Judith beheading Holofernes? Yes. Okay. So right now I'm getting right now I'm getting a commission based on that painting. So I kind of feel like uh, that's got to go in a frame. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I've got a lot. There's a lot going on over here. <laughs> Aside from me being inside all the time, and me spending all, all the money um, from the government on things like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, you're doing your patriotic duty for the economy. True. That's way more fun than dumping twelve hundred dollars into your car. So good for oh, you. No. Oh no. Stuff, but in my tradition of turning my turning any questions around that you ask me on to both of you, I'm going to ask both of you mm-hmm. who is doesn't matter what genre it comes from. Who is your favorite sword wielding protagonist? Oh. oh, that is a good question. You know, in another in, a, in another universe. I would probably be able to answer that question better this summer, but 
who knows when X of Swords is coming out or Ten of Swords or whatever. Um, hmm. Okay, question. Do lightsabers count as swords? They absolutely do. They are swords. Then my answer is Quinlan Vos. Okay. I, uh, explain. Please enlighten me. I'm not a Star Wars. Okay. Quinlan Vos is a Jedi who is introduced in the Star Wars comics by John Ostrander and Jander Sima. Uh, he is a gray Jedi for all intents and purposes. He was this Jedi who had his memories wiped and kind of went undercover in the underworld and then got his memories back and was kind of on the right track to being a Jedi again. But the Clone Wars broke out, and so they the Jedi Council's like, all right, we need to embed you back in the underworld so you can earn the separatists trust and find out who the secret Sith Lord behind this whole thing is. And it's this massive arc by Ostrander and Dersima of him struggling with the choice between the light side and the dark side with what it means to be a Jedi. He's uh, a rogue but he, he's at his heart is a decent guy, but is always struggling with the choice between Jedi and Sith and even Jedi and just saying, screw this whole thing. He falls in love. He has a, a buddy who is, I guess buddy would be too strong a word but he's works with this Deveronian the devil people in Star Wars who's Vilmar Gark Vili who's you know your typical con artist pirate with a wise ass attitude he's an Ostrander uh, protagonist if you've ever get around to reading a lot of Ostrander with his Suicide Squad work and his Grimjack work Ostrander stuff his best stuff exists in shades of gray and characters who are very much neither good or evil, but sort of live in this nebulous middle space. And Quinn is one of the best examples of that. He's got a great visual. Uh, he appeared in one episode of the clone wars cartoon where they didn't quite get the character's voice, right? He's a little mm -hmm. bit too jokey there, a little bit too much of a wise ass, but he's just this really cool character who there weren't a lot of examples of force users who existed in a place that wasn't either beatific Jedi or mustache twirling Sith before Quinn. Okay, that sounds that sounds like a recipe for a character that I would enjoy. Yeah. You know, not like kind of like the like the the guy who doesn't know what the right thing is, and he flirts with the darkness a little, and also he's kind of got he's got some mad sword skills, but like kind of maybe he's a scumbag sometimes. Oh yeah, I mean he. He crosses the line more than once. And oh, yeah. the the shame is because he was pre-Disney buyout, he doesn't exactly exist in that form anymore. But he exists, yeah. 
you can still track down. I think Marvel has republished a bunch of the Star Wars Republic stuff that he was in. And it's not difficult to find at a con. It was the the Star Wars ongoing that Dark Horse did that metamorphosed into Star Wars Republic, where Ostrander and Dracima were the regular creative team doing alternating arcs for the majority of the series. But it was a shame that he survives Order 66. He survives the Jedi Purge. But because of the Disney buyout and stuff, you never got to see what might have happened to him and his family after surviving that. The extended universe is still real to me. Yes, I'm... Oh, you're... I... Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you start me... It's long, it's, that's the long and short of it. Yeah, you start me on this and I start fumfering because it's like the, the little bits of rage... Starts Boil. boiling up in me. <laughs> I mean, they, they they got my boy Thrawn back in they the did. current universe, so that makes me happy. Where's but... Revan, you cowards? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yes. I, Mikey is a Star Wars, so I do I do know by proxy some Star Wars things, but not a not a large chunk. So when you guys were talking about the uh, card game in Final Fantasy VIII, I was like. I can play Puzak. <laughs> have you played The Witcher? Are you good at Gwent? I have not played The Witcher yet. It is okay. on my list of games that I know would fall into my wheelhouse. It sounds like it. So that's yeah, that's that's a good direction for 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 you to to push in if you would like to visit a game. But Dan, do you have a answer to my question? Uh, well, first of all, I appreciate all the time that Matt bought me uh, going <laughs> off on on, on Quinlan Voss. Um, I couldn't come up with a good one though. It's fine. I was sitting here googling uh, who's got cool swords, and it's like, well, I, I mean, I, I really do like Cloud, but I also don't want to. I mean, that's that's Charlie's answer. I don't want to steal their answer. Um, so, I mean, okay. <laughs> Would it make it easier if I if I asked you if I narrowed it down? Okay. Okay. Who's your favorite sword wielding protagonist in a comic book? Okay. All right. The worst part is, all I can think of right now are He-Man and Lionel from the Thundercats. <laughs> I mean, that's a legitimate answer. <laughs> and hey, it took me a minute to resist saying Batman. The number of times he's been shirtless and sword fought Rachel Ghoul. I mean, come on. But it's like, no, Batman doesn't normally use a sword. I mean, he can use a sword, and you can, he can use a sword if you want him to. Listen, yeah, you make the character, they made the character, you can use them how you see fit. I mean, that, one of the great Batman sequences of all time is a big shirtless sword fight with Rachel Ghoul in the desert. It is a classic Neil Adams sequence. It's great. I, I can also buy you some time by talking about another favorite sword-wielding character. I'm glad that you have more than one. <laughs> yes, because I was just before we started, uh, before you hopped on the call, I was lamenting to Dan that because of all of the Michigas with Amazon shipping, which, you know, is what it is because people need things more urgently than I need my books, as much as I want my books. Yeah. <laughs> In July, the 
16th volume of Jim Butcher's Dresden Files series is finally coming out after four years since the last book, which I have missed. And um, the Dresden Files feature uh, an order of sword-wielding warrior priests, monk type uh-huh. guys that you know they each of them have a sword with one of the nails from the cross embedded in the hilt and the 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 ah I'm frumfering again one of them is a former member of the order of the knights of the cross is a character Michael Carpenter and the thing that's kind of cool about this is that you don't have to necessarily despite it having the christian ideology around it you don't have to be a Christian to wield one of the swords. You just have to be a person of strong moral character. Mm. And that the current Knights of the Cross, one of them wields his sword as a lightsaber, which it comes into mind, Waldo Butters. I love Butters. Uh, and Sonya, <laughs> this reminds me of South Park. Yeah, well, yeah. But Butters, is, Butters is a big old nerd who was a medical examiner and one of the allies before he was a knight of uh, series protagonist Harry Dresden. Um, but the other one is the other current knight is Sonya, who is an uh, Af- a man of African descent who grew up in Russia and is seeking redemption because he had been a member of the knights opposite number, the Order of the Black and Denarius. You know, because if you've got you know cross nails in one side you've got the 30 pieces of silver in the other uh, but michael carpenter who was a f- one of the knights when we first meet them in the third book of the series is the best example i have ever read in any book of a lawful good paladin who you don't want to slap <laughs> because, that's a feat in and of itself yes because paladins and especially your lawful good paladins are often written as so holier than thou and sanctimonious that it's just like i i can't stand hearing you talk because you're just such a condescending jerk (laughs) but butcher writes michael as what you'd want someone who's really christian to be he is this guy who loves everyone unconditionally and is always willing to give his enemy a chance to renounce the evil that they do and take, you know, the right path before he, you know, cuts their head off with his big old broadsword. Yeah, give you a chance. That's very noble. Yeah, In oh, fact... Yeah. In fact, is. Is your answer still Lionel or He-Man? <laughs> no, you know what? This is our opportunity for a good segue, because I, I did threaten to get into this later. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Cyan from uh, Final Fantasy VI, uh, okay. just so that I can uh, jump in, in defense of my favorite of the franchise. Because uh, while I absolutely see the fact that the the cinematicness and the story quality of seven are are better, and I think the character investment is better. I think from a gameplay standpoint, I enjoy six more uh, to the point where I think I replay it like once a year, maybe like every other year, just because the ca- the cast of playable characters is so large, 
and yeah. the world is so large and I love the ballsiness of the fact that the world ends halfway through the game uh, as much as I don't enjoy the 10 minutes, 10, 15, 20 minutes I have to spend feeding a sick old man fish uh, halfway through I mean and Final Fantasy 6 does have a octopus that invades an opera Yes, Ultros is a fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I had a friend in college that um, constantly gave me shit because they told me that Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy VII was just Final Fantasy VI, but worse. And uh, they are two very different games. You would, yes, but they're like, oh, here's the plot points that, here's why Kefka's a better villain than Sephiroth. And I'm like, even back then, I was like, can we not do this? <laughs> like, this is like before Twitter even was a thing, or really a thing. And I'm like, like, are we going to do this? Because I'm always like, apples and, like, before I mod, like, before I, I, I square things up against one another and say wholeheartedly this is better than this one. Mm-hmm. I'm always of the opinion that things are basically apples and oranges. Like there are just some things that you can't compare. And a lot of things fall into that category in my opinion. Like I I really wouldn't compare FF6 and FF7. They might say Final Fantasy on them, but I don't think they're I don't think they're similar. And I think people who enjoy either one of them enjoy them for different reasons that aren't the same. So, so saying like one is definitively better than the other, I'm not, you know, those things on Twitter where they're like, here's five, here's four or five things. You can only keep three. Yes. Anybody that I, I'm not a fan. (laughs) I'm, I'm not a fan of those things. I don't like things that are artificially created to make people fight. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's what those are for and I was like fuck you I'm keeping them all double fingers <laughs> whatever <laughs> like oh it, yeah, yeah that's like they're like here are five wrestlers you can only keep three and I'm like well I've only met I've met one of these wrestlers so maybe just keep him and everybody else can <laughs> can go away yeah that happened while I haven't talked to you guys I did meet John Moxley. I I saw the pictures. Yes, woo. Yeah. That happened when when the world still was happening. Yes, and we could do things. Yeah. I can't. I cannot tell you enough that the fact that C two E two happened and we all came back and then I was like, did we really do that? Because everybody says that was that we're not going to ever do that now. And I'm like. Yeah, like that weekend I drank out of the same cup from like a couple people. Like that weekend, <laughs> that weekend I gathered in a large space with a, with several different individuals. <laughs> like I'm like it was fine. Did that we all did that and it was fine. <laughs> that weekend I was scrolling through Twitter being like, "Man, I should go to C2E2 next year." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it, it, it was a blast. Like, it was a genuine blast. I think the only thing we said we wished we'd done is we were like, what if we should have gone out to more restaurants because now we can't do that. <laughs> so I was like, we should have just eaten all the place, at all the places. <laughs> but yeah, I got to see uh, a John, Red, John ran headfirst into the side post of the ring during his match, his like, championship match the night before. And 
I'm, I'm waiting at like 10 a.m. to like meet him, and he he comes wandering in, and his hair is kind of messed up, and he's got five stitches in his head, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> he's like he had to have been like slightly hungover and it's like 10 a.m and he just like worked his ass off the night before and then probably like partied like until like an unnamed amount in the morning and i'm like bless you for showing up and he was like the nicest person and i was like i don't know about this never meet your hero shit i just met mine and it was fine <laughs> And he was kind of, he got concussed the night before, so no one else has any excuses. That's <sighs> awesome. Yeah. But, well, I'm, I'm glad you like Six. I've never played it all the way through. I, I've watched people play it, but I've I've never actually played it. So, I, I know it's ins and outs, but I, where do you rank Kefka and Sephiroth, Dan? Oh, okay. So, I was, I, uh, listen. I, I again I think this is another example. I think Sephiroth has more story. You know, uh Kefka is Renaissance fair joker. Let's let's be honest. He's cha- mm-hmm. he's chaotic evil. Um mm-hmm. but he's also my evil laughing boy. You know, he's he's the only character who got any sort of uh, you know, audio uh in a game prior to this even if it was just that one laugh track. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, again, he had the balls to destroy the world halfway through the game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I know. mean, you gotta love an evil laughing boy. Like yeah. that's why, that's why I love Seth Rollins. He's an evil laughing boy. Um, <laughs> there was some highly d- targeted marketing towards me last week, um, where, uh, Final Fantasy seven did a collaboration with WWE oh boy. where they did like a character breakdown with a care, like with a wrestler okay. and uh, Seth and, and here's Seth Rollins who is in, in like storyline and wrestling right now. He's this, he, he's like, so, he's like broken so far. He's like, he's like, he's like ruined his own life and he's like desperately trying to get control back. So he's adopted this Messiah gimmick like where he he's the he's the only one who knows what's right for anybody like and like this is his like this is his way his calling and everyone will follow him or else so he's like sitting like talking about how he and Sephiroth are the same and I'm like who did this like who did this and put it on the internet who did this I'm like come come on (laughs) I I owe someone an edible arrangement who did this (laughs) yeah (laughs) like who my like who marketed this towards me directly? And please give me your name and phone number. I would like a word. <laughs> um, but Sephiroth is always a like he's a he's a bad guy, but like he's always had more emotional depth than like this like haunting evil. Even the game kind of wants you to like buy into that. Um, like and don't get me wrong, I think they they start this in the remake like a really, in a often a really good way, uh, but I I don't want to say this, but I think that I think that all the stuff they put out after FF Seven, so like Advent Children, Crisis Core, and mm-hmm. Crisis Core, and things of that nature, I think diluted Sephiroth a little bit. Okay. Um, 
uh, I loved Advent Children when it came out because I'm like, hell yeah, here's this movie about this game that I love. And then and now I'm looking at it, I'm like, that wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't need that. No. No, not again. <laughs> I was trying to find that, uh, find if I could watch that somewhere today i found oh. a trailer for it on youtube i'd never seen it but, oh it's not uh, just like it's not just whole cloth on youtube i i guess I'm very not surprised by it's, it. I'm it's very probably surprised on that. tubi because that's where you go to find <laughs> <laughs> things that nobody gives a shit about <laughs> I, like that was my thought about it i was like nobody cares about this so like of course it's gonna be just like on youtube for like 40 minutes yeah <laughs> i'm surprised i owned the dvd Oh wow! I had you. I had you order it, <laughs> and it came to me in the mail, and I sat and I watched it with my best friend, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is so exciting!" <laughs> and now I'm like, "Mm-mm." People <laughs> <laughs> like bring it up. I'm like, "No." The, even no. the Wikipedia page is not kind to it. <laughs> It's not good. It is, in fact, bad. And if that was someone's first exposure to Final Fantasy, I'm sorry. Like, it's got, like, a couple cool moments, and it's, like, a cool, like, C- like movie, like, mm-hmm. CG movie, like, for a thing that they did. Uh-huh. But it's just, like, everybody's characters are, like, trashed, basically. Uh... And you're like, what? Like, you know, the Turks are, like, these really cool, like they're goofy they can be goofy and funny but like they're more like witty like and like jackasses that are still like badasses but they make them like goofy and stupid in the movie and Mm -hmm. i'm like didn't bother me at first but now i'm looking back on it like me who loves like a very intelligent scumbag i'm like (laughs) why you do this (laughs) why did you have to do this and I will stop ranting about adventure. Okay. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's 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 move on. We do have a couple of Twitter questions uh, as as I we're thought. wrapping up here. Um, don't know if I, I yes, we'll we'll leave this to the expert. Uh, so uh, first from from Zach Jenkins, uh, can Cloud be a competitive choice in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate with his challenging recovery? Can the strength of his aerials, smashes, and limit charge specials? Make up for the fact that he struggles to get back on the stage. So I think that anybody with enough time mm-hmm. can master every character, like be good at characters in Smash. So if you devote enough time to like learning the ways that you can use these characters, I think anybody can be a good, like a good choice. That said. We all know there's, like, five characters that it's the best to play in Smash, no matter if it's, like, back on the N64, like, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. <laughs> so it's, like, Link, Kirby, Captain Falcon. <laughs> like, it's the characters that have, like, that have those good, like, recovery moves. Um, because, ultimately, the game is about not flying off of the platform. Yeah, I'm bad at that. It's... Like you're, yeah. So if you like watch people who competitively play Super Smash Brothers, Smash Brothers, you're probably never going to see someone who does it with like Cloud or Solid Snake or any of these like new additions mm-hmm. that they've they've put on over the years. It's probably going to be those core characters that were the in the original Smash um, on the N64. 
And I've I've never I haven't played Super Smash Bros. Ultimate because I don't own a Switch. Mm-hmm. But hell yeah, we played a lot of Super Smash Brothers uh melee in college. So I know what's up. <laughs> and then um this one's from Dan McMahon. Does this take place before or after Chain of Memories? So Dan thinks he's being cute by asking me a question about a Kingdom Hearts game and uh, a Final Fantasy uh, game. And I think I pretty much already explained my overall multiverse theory about Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy. So he was trying to make a joke and make me irritated, probably, but I already had the answer for him. So basically, Chain of Memories uh-huh. is, is the... It is the game that comes directly after Kingdom Hearts 1, but before Kingdom Hearts 2. It tells you how Sora gets from where he is in the first Kingdom Hearts game to the second. And so if we're going off of that, uh, Final Fantasy 7 was before any of this. (sighs) Uh, Yeah, come at the master, Dan. You best not miss. Yeah, that that is true. (laughs) That is absolutely true. See, it's also the one that was on the Game Boy Advanced and is a card battle game. Ah, interesting. But it is, an, it is not any of the other Kingdom Hearts uh, interstitials like Kingdom Hearts uh, 365-258 Remix or any of the other nonsensical titles that happened along the way. <laughs> okay. Um, so any, any, uh, any final, any final, uh, cloud thoughts before we wrap up? Um, my only final thought is that the love triangle between cloud, Aerith and Tifa doesn't exist because the game wants, the game, original game maybe wanted you to believe that, but the answer is that it doesn't actually exist. And maybe Tifa wants to be with Aerith, maybe Aerith wants to be with Tifa, maybe they don't want to be with anybody, but Cloud is too traumatized to be with anybody. So, he's opting out of that whole situation. Uh, that's that's my that's my last that's my last thought. So when people are like, yeah, Cloud and Aerith and Tifa doesn't, that, that love triangle's stupid, and I'm like, yeah, it is stupid, but also, Cloud can't be with anybody, because he, he can't even be with himself. <laughs> so, just remember, just remember that the next time that you want to want to talk about anything like that. So that's all. That's all I got. He's a great character. I think that every, I think he's I think he's getting a little underappreciated in in this remake. Even though I think he should be receiving a, a lot of love, but he really shines in the the parts of the game after as you are exploring like what he what really happened to him so i'm hoping that the remake the approach it takes still approaches those things that way because i think there are some amazing moments where like like ortifa is like helping cloud like piece himself back together mm-hmm. like when they fall on the life stream like all of that like the northern crater stuff like stuff originally right before they fall on the life stream like like whether or not you actually think Cloud actually is real because you spend a large chunk of the game like trying to determine if Cloud is actually like a Sephiroth clone. That's awesome stuff. So yeah, I I'm hoping the remake other sections of the remake does that justice because it's really good. 
Uh, I think that about wraps it up. I'm going to try the to find the audio version of this, but just to fill it in now. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah, I can do it. Yep, we got the whole thing going on here. But thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, Charlie, it is it is always, always, always a pleasure when you when you come on. <laughs> I have to just talk everybody's ear off. <laughs> <sighs> Well, Matt, we've had a lot of fun, but that is it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ Presents on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ Presents and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, the ability to promote your work on our site, uh... And a customized bonus reading column written by Matt built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. And a $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail from my collection. Big thanks to our patrons. Tonight's guest, Charlie Davis from the Young Ones podcast. Robert Secundus from Docs Talks at XavierFiles.com. Scott Marduszynski at MojoWorks.com. Carla Pacheco from Marvel's recent Spider-Woman series and Saren. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote. And me at MattLaz1013. Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you the best of WMQ every week in your inbox, plus sneak peeks at what's ahead and an early look at our weekly editorial. Finally, and most importantly, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.